Hey folks, once again, welcome back. We're in Mark chapter 12 today. Good to be welcome to Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for your goodness. And I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your word. Father, I just thank you for all that you do, for your grace, for your strength. Lord, there's nothing we face that you can't handle. There's nothing that comes against us that you can't walk us through. Lord, fix our eyes on you. I praise you. I give you thanks. I give you all the glory. Lord, I stand in awe of who you are and what you do. I just ask that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, come illuminate our eyes to see your word. Open our ears to hear your voice and our hearts to receive what it is you have for us. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower. And then he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. Again, he sent another servant. And at that, and at him, they threw stones, wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully treated. And again he sent another, and him they killed, and many others, beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, They will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And this, this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hands on him, but feared him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against him. So they left and went away. So we've got Jesus sharing a parable at this point in, it, in the religious the religious leaders um, are greatly offended. Um, at that point in time, they wanted to kind of grab hold of him and seize him uh, because they knew he was talking about them. And really, it's what it was. As we read down through this parable, we can see really kind of a depiction of the entire Old Testament right up to the point in time where Jesus is at. Um, if we look at the at the vineyard owner as God, he he created everything. He set everything in place. And then the um, the servants that he sent would be the prophets that he sent. Um, each one came carrying, bear, came bearing a message um, that the people would just keep their eyes on God, turn back to God. But we look at how the prophets were so mistreated throughout all history. And then we look and see what we know of history. And we know that at that point in time that he sent his son and Jesus was beaten and abused. Um, so we just kind of look at that. And we can really kind of unfold it fairly quickly, fairly simply. Um, but I just want to let it kind of soak in for a minute because it's there's there's some things here that really can help point us closer to God. It's one of those, this is one of those parables that I've always been tempted to just quickly kind of glance over, and that's not necessarily really something we want to do, um, because just it, it's got more depth than just at the surface. So we look at the vineyard, and it's something that was planted. It's something that has to be tended to and taken care of, um, and needs to be it needs to be managed. So, so God's the one that made it. He created it all. But 
he put it in the hands of others. He put it in the hands of someone else to manage. And really, that's the thing is we've all, while this parable is directed at the Pharisees, at the religious rulers, at the scribes, it's directed to them. I think it's something we can definitely learn from. And it's and it's easy to step back when we read these parables and say, well, I would never, that's not me. I would never do that. But really, folks, I would I would challenge you when you read some of those scriptures where God kind of lays down some hard things to sit back and say, is this me? Do I identify with even parts of this? And the reality is, if we're honest, there's time, there's times when we all would, we would all identify with, well, yeah, I can see myself in that. I can see myself in that. And really what we've got going on here, folks, is the people that the Lord had, that, um, that the Lord over that vineyard had leased it to, they got greedy. They got selfish. They're like, well, he, he's not around. We can't see him. And folks, the reality is just because they couldn't see the owner doesn't mean he wasn't there. Doesn't mean he didn't still have authority. Doesn't mean he still didn't have rights to everything that was there. But they became entitled. They decided to, that they wanted to keep everything that they had done. They took for granted the property they were on. They took for granted the things that they had, not realizing that they were someone else's and not their own just because they'd put in the work that was part of the thing. And the and the reality is they had the privilege of um, gains from this ground. Um, the Lord of that over that vineyard, he wasn't saying he wanted everything. He just wanted his portion. Um, it says um, in verse two, it says at vintage time, he sent the servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit from the vineyard. Um, he wasn't asking for everything. He wasn't asking for anything unreasonable. He, he just wanted some of the fruits. He wanted a portion of what was his. Um, and folks, reality is we get so we can, if we're not careful, it's easy to kind of get focused on us and we get greedy for the things that we want, not realizing that everything we've got and folks, it's the reality. Everything we have has been given to us by God. There is nothing. Um, there is no good thing that comes from any place other than God, no matter what man may say, no matter, no matter who may think I've earned this or I did this or I accomplished this. The reality is no, you didn't. You can't, you couldn't have done anything. Um, apart from the giftings that God has given you. Because, folks, the reality is he made each and every one of us. He created us the gifts, the talents, the abilities we have. They all came from him. Scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the, from the Father of heavenly light. So everything we have comes from him. So when everything we have comes from him, that means everything that comes out of our abilities, our talents, and everything that we do, it all comes from him. So if we trace it all back, it's all his to begin with. But we see here that there are some that they just, they got focused on themselves and what they wanted and they thought, well, you know, we can get away with it. And he sent messengers and he sent messengers and he sent messengers and he would have figured at some point in time, the light bulb would have come on that, hey, this king's not going to let up. This guy's not going to back off. He's not going to stop sending people. And then he finally sent his, his son, the one that should, the one that should come with authority, the one that should have the ability to come and say, hey, um, he should have been able to walk in there and kick them all out. Um. And with that, we just look, um, let's see, where was it? Um, verse five. And again, he sent others. Um, he sent another and they killed him and many others beating some and killing some. Verse five um, speaks to the incredible patience of God. Uh, I mean, we just look at it and we see that, I mean, reality is um, if, if I owned a business, if I own property and I want to, to collect, if I owned a rental property and I want to collect my rent or sent somebody to collect rent and they said, nope. I'm not going to pay. Um, 
it wouldn't take long before an eviction notice is filed and the, the law enforcement's involved and the person is forcefully removed from the property. Um, it would it would very quickly um, it would very quickly go that route um, because that's the way it should go. That's the that's the I say should that's the way it's legally set up to go. But the reality is, in this, the owner of this vineyard, he would have had the authority, he would have had the time, but or he would have had the he would have had the authority and he would have had the ability to go and he remove these people from his property and give it to others. But it says that he sent many servants. Um, it just speaks to the patience. Um, time and time again, he sent he, he sent them. He gave them every opportunity to do the right thing, folks. And that's when we look at God and just how patient he is. When we look at the condition of the world and say, why on earth, God, are you allowing these things to happen? And the reality is God is an incredibly patient God. He is not wanting anyone to perish. He continues to send his messengers. He sent the prophets. He sent his son. But folks, even in these days, he's he's raising up people to speak his truth. Um, and not everybody that speaks in the name of God is speaking his truth, but he's raising up his people to speak his truth. He's raising up people to to call people to repentance, to turn from to turn from their own selfish lifestyles and turn to a life surrendered and yielded to God, to to lay down the unproductive, unfruitful life and just follow after him. He's not wanting anyone to miss that. He's continuing to call out. He's continuing to send people. But in this parable, he sent us the, at last he sent his son. And it says they killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. And folks, that's exactly what happened to Jesus. They saw him and the religious leaders were threatened by him. They, um, they didn't like what he was doing. They didn't like what he was saying. It was, it was impinging upon their position and their status because reality is he carried more authority than they do. So they killed him and they tossed him out. Um, and in verse 10, it's verse 10 and 11. It says the stone, which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And this was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. So when they would build back in this time, when they would build um, structures, the, the stones would, would most frequently be cut someplace else, but there'd be the one stone. There'd be the one stone that everything else built off. You have to have that one stone just right. And from there, the foundation for everything else would be laid. And that's what Jesus was. He is that one. He is that key piece of the foundation. He is that principal cornerstone. Without that piece, nothing else goes into place. Without him, nothing else works right. Without him, nothing else sits right. Without him, nothing else matters. And we see that he was rejected. And folks, he's still getting rejected today. There's still so many people that just want to do things their own way. And I, I mean, I, I see why. I personally don't understand why, but, but that's because I've been with him. I know him. I don't just know about him, but I've seen what he can do in a life. I've seen what he can do in numerous lives and just his ability and his power and his goodness and his grace. But there's some that don't see that. There's some that haven't had their eyes open to that. Um, but the reality is without him as that key piece of the foundation, there is nothing else that can be built. Um, anything else that is built, no matter how good it looks, it, it's not going to stand the test of time. It's not going to stand the difficulties that lie ahead. It's not going to stand when life just goes crazy. And then, um, just want to encourage you at that point, folks, to make sure that no matter what life throws against you, that's that's the one piece you rest on. 
when you're looking at life, when you look at whatever we encounter, that you would just fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, He's the one that holds it all together. Without him, uh, things don't sit right. So when we walk through those difficult times, when we walk through trials, and folks, even when you walk through the good times, so I mean, it's it's more tempting to look to God during the during the difficult times because we all want help. But even in the good times, keep your eyes fixed on Him, because you got to realize that everything you've got that's good comes from Him. But in those times, no matter what the time is, let's keep our eyes focused on Him and keep Him as the key piece, the foundation for everything. I just, I just love verse 11. It's so simple. It says, this was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Folks, if you take a minute, just kind of step back and look past. It's easy to see all the stuff that's going wrong, but look past the stuff that's going wrong and see the stuff that's going right. Um, I look back. I can look at my life just over the past few days, and I can see the hand of God, the things that he's doing in my life, in my family's life, in the lives of my coworkers, of my friends, people at my church and I see the transformation. So while it's easy to get it's easy to get fixed on the negative, let's look at what the Lord's doing. Let's not let's not look at what the devil's doing. Let's not look at what the world's doing. But look at what the Lord's doing and realize that his work is marvelous in our eyes. The things that he's doing even in this time when it seems dark, when it seems like things are kind of going crazy, the things that he is doing are marvelous, folks. So let's keep our eyes on that. And in verse 12, we see the response of the people that heard, or the leaders that heard this. And they sought to lay hands on him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken this parable against him. So they left him and went away. Folks, they knew what he was saying. They knew that he was taught, calling them out. He knew, they knew that, that he, they were out of bounds in the things they were doing, the things they were thinking. And they wanted to react. Unfortunately, they wanted to react in, in a negative way. They wanted to lay hands on him. Um, they were probably going to beat him up, drag him away, or maybe just kill him at that point in time. I don't know. But that's what they that's what their desire was. But they feared the people. And they knew that the people saw something different than they did. They knew that the people honored Jesus. Um, but folks, the reality is when we hear when we hear a teaching, when we when we read the word, when we hear something that, that, that comes against us and points out our flaws, points out the weakness in us, points out the things that we're out of bounds in. What's our reaction? Is our reaction like them? Do we get do we get our feathers ruffled? Do we get hurt? Do we get offended? And do we do we just leave and go away because there's nothing because there's nothing else we can do? Because the reality is, folks, the the Pharisees, those religious leaders at this point in time, they could have heard they they had an option. They could have heard that parable, been convicted by it, and they could have they could have gone to Jesus and repented. They could have changed their mindset. They could have changed the way they see. They could have changed the way they were looking at things. And we see that we, I'm sure some of them did in the long run. I mean, we see in the Gospels that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night um, with questions. But the reality is so many of them just kept on going in their own ways because they were more worried about what they had, what they were going to, what they sought to lose if they actually listened to what Jesus was saying and didn't fight against. But folks, when we hear words, when we hear his word, when we hear something that convicts us that that challenges us. Don't be quick to run away from it. Don't be quick to get away and push it away. Embrace it and search it out and seek it. We've got to test and make sure first it's from God. That's really important. Um, there's lots of voices. And scripture tells us to test, to test all the spirits. And folks, there's lots of them out there. There's not just the Holy Spirit. There's lots of things that, 
There's lots of different voices that can speak into your life, and we need to be really careful that which ones we let in, which ones we listen to. Make sure they're sound. Make sure they're actually coming from God. But if you hear something, if you when you read something, when if it convicts you, and here's the thing, if it's something, if it's a thought that's going to that's pushing you closer to God, that clearly not like in some vague, obscure way, oh, this might get me closer to God, but there's something that that God's saying, hey, you need to repent of this, or hey, you need to stop doing this because it's not bringing life, and there's things that will draw you closer to God. Our response at that point in time really should should be repentance, not just running away, because God will take with what we with what we offer up to him with our repentance, with our brokenness, with our desire to change. He'll work with that. He'll take it. He'll shift us. He'll make us different. So folks, as we kind of wrap this one up, just kind of like, first I would say, just kind of look back and look at the, look at those, look at what God's doing. Not what the world's doing, but what God's doing. And, and just let yourself be amazed. Let yourself be in awe of the things that he's doing. Just for just for a little bit and just really get refocused on the fact that he is the foundation. He is the one that is building. He is the one that is doing. And then also just take a moment and say, God, are there places where I, I, I've, I've hardened my ears to you? I've, I've closed my ears to you. I haven't listened to what you said, that I've responded wrongly to your conviction. And God, just renew that conviction in me that I can follow you. Heavenly Father, God, I just ask that you would send your spirit to wash over each and every one of us right now. Lord, that you would bring conviction where conviction is needed, that you would soften those hearts where they've been hardened. And God, where there have been places in our hearts and our lives that we've, we've kind of walled off against you because we know, you've, we know you've said something that we need to adjust, that we need to correct, but we've kind of hardened those places off. Lord, I just ask that you would, that you would soften those things, that you would go into those areas and bring conviction that we would not feel bad, we would not feel pressed down but god that we would be broken we would come before you and say god i repent i turn from my ways i yield this all to you god that you would do something marvelous in my life god i thank you that you are patient that time and time again you send your message you send your message you send your message but lord i also thank you that the day is coming when you will stop sending messages and you will send your son and this time when you send your son he will not be mistreated he will not be killed and cast out but he will be the one that comes in victory, that he will be the one that comes to set all things right. But Father, in the meantime, while we wait, Lord, that we would fix our eyes on you, that we would walk rightly, that we would seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, to live in the right way that you have laid out for us by your grace, by your power, by your authority, that we would hold in nothing of ourselves, but we would embrace your truth, your goodness, and would walk forward and Lord, as we walk forward, that we would shine forth your light. We would not back away from sharing your word, from speaking what is true, but speaking it in love, that we would lift others up, that we would call people closer to the God that loves them, not drive them away. Father, just give us the wisdom, Spirit, Holy Spirit, give us the words to speak and give us your life, that we would shine forth with your radiance, that we would walk forth with your authority, that we would speak with your wisdom, with your words, because your word is true. Father, I just thank you for all that you do, for your goodness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.